John chapter 15. Uh, just to let you know, I know some of you have been asking. Uh, the next shipment of books arrived late this afternoon, so we will have more of the Digging into Psalms and Proverbs available on Sunday and next Tuesday for those of you that would like to uh, purchase more of those. Um, hope you've been able to... Uh, Maybe uh, share the uh, promo for the prayer series uh, that Jeff Underwood uh, did for us on Sunday. Looking forward to that on Sunday as well, this new series coming up on prayer. John chapter 15. Uh, A couple of things here. From last week, Jesus had ended these encouraging, comforting, reassuring words to his disciples. And then he says, okay guys, let's get up and let's go on from here. And, and then what you have in chapter 15 is him coming right back to, to more encouragement and reassurance and, and comfort for his disciples. And it's almost as if Jesus can't stop, you know, being the encourager and the comforter and the reassurer in these men's lives. And it, it reminds us of just the character and nature of our God and how he is so wanting to, to ease the the anxiety, if you will, of these men who are so churned up, if you will, over the events that he has predicted will come to pass. And, and I hope you'll remember that as well. That Jesus in no way is a reluctant encourager in our lives. He's always looking for opportunities to encourage us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to reassure us. And even though they had now gotten up and they were walking, it's as if Jesus says, Oh, now by the way, here's another opportunity for me to encourage you. And I don't know whether Jesus, you know, saw, saw some vines, uh, saw a vineyard or whatever, but he, he uses that moment to dive into this great passage on, on uh, fruitfulness and being fruitful followers of Jesus Christ. This passage also gives to us Jesus' last of the seven I Am statements in the Gospel of John. Uh, It's one of the things that's unique to the Gospel of John that the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do not have. Where Jesus, throughout the Gospel, basically declares that He is something. And it's always to give us a, a picture, if you will, of how He relates to human beings and how He wants to relate to mankind. So like here in verse 5, He says, I am the vine. We're going to talk about what that means tonight. But that's the last of seven. We all the way back into John chapter 6, he starts out with, I am the bread of life. And then he talks about, I am the light of the world. And then I am the door. And I am the good shepherd. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the resurrection in the life. And finally, the seventh one is here in John 15. I am the vine. So we're going to look at that tonight. Now, many years ago, the Lord really used this passage of Scripture to, to just relax me a little bit in my Christian life. And I hope it will relax you a little bit. Because one of the things that this passage also is going to teach us, and I'm giving sort of a, an overview, I'm stepping back a little bit before we get into this tonight, is that so often when we come to a passage like this or maybe others that talk about being fruitful Christians, we focus on the fruit and what we want the fruit to be, what we think the fruit... And we can spend lots of time, if you will, focusing on the fruit. 
What I want you to see tonight, and if you take nothing else away from this study tonight, please take this away. Even though Jesus spends you know, many moments here encouraging us to be fruitful, the fruit is not ever our focus. The focus is abiding in Him. Because what we're going to see tonight is this beautiful thing. I don't have to focus on the fruit. I don't have to worry about what the fruit is. As long as I'm abiding in the vine, as long as I stay connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ, I will be fruitful. And I don't even need to worry about what that fruit looks like. And I don't have to narrow the definition of my fruit like many Christians do to the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, or, well, being fruitful is, is witnessing to people and may see, maybe seeing people come into the kingdom. It is so much more than that. And that's why Jesus here never gives us, now this is what fruit is in your life. Because Jesus doesn't want us to be focused on what all that fruit is. Jesus says, look, the fruit will come naturally just like it does on a tree. All you have to be concerned about as a Christian is abiding in me and you will be fruitful. And don't think about what the fruit is. It can be as much as a cup of cold water in my name. So don't, don't get caught up in the fruit. Get caught up with staying connected to the vine. All right. With that said, let's look at the words of Jesus here. Because, again, why these words are comforting and assuring and strengthening and encouraging to the disciples is... Jesus has prepared them that he's going away and going back to the Father in heaven. So in a sense, they're thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to be disconnected from Jesus because he's physically not going to be with us anymore. And one of the other things that Jesus is doing here is saying, guys, I'm very much going to be connected to you. You see, we're not going to be dis... Just because I'm physically not here with you anymore doesn't mean I'm not connected to you. The question is not, am I connected to you? The question is, are you going to stay connected to me as the branches are to the vine? So notice Jesus begins in chapter 15, verse 1, with these words. I am the true vine. I am the real vine. I am the genuine vine. Why does Jesus say that at the, at the outset? Because we can attach ourselves or become attached to other things other than Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you want everything that you need, if you want to be connected to the source for your life, the source for everything you're going to need, then you've got to stay connected to me, the true vine. Because if you attach yourself or get attached to something or someone else other than me, you will not find the sustenance, the nourishment, the strength, and every resource that you need to navigate life. I'm the only true vine. So that's important for us to remember too. We can go through life as Christians and either become attached to something or someone else or allow uh, something else to become attached to us in our life that we're looking for as the source of our life. And Jesus is saying, Everything else but me is not real or genuine. It cannot supply you or furnish you or me with what we really need in life. I'm the only true vine. So that's where he starts out. And then he says, And my Father 
is the gardener, the overseer of the vineyard, if you will. The one who's actually taking care of the vineyard. I want you to notice something here. Throughout the Gospel of John, as we've been studying this, you'll notice how Jesus is always teaching us how he and the Father always are cooperating with each other in the work. And the same thing is true here. I'm the vine, but my Father is the overseer of the vineyard. And so we're working together here. And Jesus and and the Father are trying to model for us the kind of cooperative effort we should have with God and we should have with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. God models that for us throughout the Word and modeled that for us throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. Vine, vine dresser. But we're all working towards the same goal here. We're all cooperating with each other towards the same end. Now Jesus says this, The Father, who's the gardener, the overseer of the vineyard, takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. There's a couple different ways to take the original language here. My preference is to take the words take away this way. To raise or lift up. I don't think in the context of what Jesus is trying to say here, that Jesus is saying, when the Father comes by and sees a branch that's not bearing fruit, He just cuts it off. I think He's reminding us as we compare Scripture with Scripture and who the Father is, that the Father will bend over backwards to work with that branch to try to bring about fruit. And so He's not going to be impatient. He's going to be very patient and long-suffering and forbearing with us and will do everything he can. And so I think he's saying, look, the way you can take these words is that he's lifting it up and trying to to get it into a, a, a more optimal position, if you will, so that it can become fruitful. It reminds me of Again, the character of God that's portrayed both in the prophet Isaiah and then Jesus quotes it in the Gospel of Matthew where he says that our God will not take a a bruised reed and break it. He He will prop it up. He will support it. He will work with it. He will do everything He can to get it to be fruitful. And I think you and I, even if we look at our own lives, we could say, yeah, there are times where God could have maybe cut me off, if you will, but he bent over backwards to work with me and nurture me and bring me along and and try to get me to a place where I can be fruitful. Because the whole idea here is to be a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ that produces or bears fruit. So notice then he goes on. Not only does the Father raise or lift up from the ground every branch that does not bear fruit, hoping that that move will cause that branch to start bearing fruit. But now Jesus says, even when there are branches that are bearing fruit, God the gardener is always pruning every branch that bears fruit so that it will bear more fruit. The word prune means to cleanse, to purge, to purify. It is the removal of what is impeding fruitfulness, whatever that is. Jesus says, this is what the gardener, the Father, will do. If there is something in our lives that impedes our fruitfulness, 
Better believe it, the gardener is going to try to weed it out. That's what he does. And I believe that the primary tool that the gardener uses in our lives to weed things out in order for us to maximize our fruitfulness as Christians is his word. You see that even in verse 3 where Jesus tells the disciples, you are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word clean there means to be cleansed, to be purified, to be purged, to be pruned, if you will. And let's remember something here. Let's go back to that word prune, because it certainly could be translated that way. Pruning can be painful. Having things weeded out of our lives can be painful, but it is necessary at times in order for us to become more fruitful. Because notice here, God isn't satisfied that we're fruitful. God's going to work in our lives to bring about more fruit. God is always looking for us to be more fruitful, which again goes back to why Christians can't be or should never be satisfied with where we are. No matter how much fruit you've, you know, produced in your life as a Christian, God isn't satisfied with that. God says, Jeff, I want you to even be more fruitful. And here's what I need to do in your life. Here's how I need to work in your life. Here are the things I need to remove in your life or add to your life in order for you to be more fruitful. That's really what a disciple is all about. That's what this whole blog this year is about. Getting Christians to see the necessity of continual spiritual growth and maturity and continuing to follow Christ. Because none of us could ever say to God, God, I have borne enough fruit. I I have produced enough fruit in my life. I, I don't need to be any more fruitful than what I've already been. Totally contradictory to what Jesus here is teaching. Now here's the other thing. Notice this too. When I'm growing and I'm maturing and I'm going down the pathway of discipleship with Christ and I'm being fruitful, God's going to still be working on me. In fact, God may be actually working on me more because God sees now a a vessel that is, is willing to work and cooperate with him. So again, just as Jesus says, he's going to come along in my life and prune me in order to make me more fruitful. You see, sometimes Christians are like, man, God's really working on me. And I'm like, yeah, isn't that great? I know it might be painful, but isn't that great? Because God is never satisfied that we bore that much fruit. He wants us to be more fruitful. And sometimes God has to bring certain things into our lives or take things out of our lives or add things to our lives in order for us to bear more fruit. Then he says, again, verse 3, You are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. So remain in me, abide, dwell, continue, stay in me, and I will remain in you. Now notice here too that Jesus is teaching sort of a reciprocal relationship with his followers. It's sort of the same principle that James gives us in James 4, 8 when he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Jesus is saying, look, I want a fellowship with you, but I'm not going to fellowship with you if you don't want me to. So you show me you want to fellowship with me. You want to abide. You want to continue. You want to stay with me. You want to remain in me. You want to stay connected to me, and I'll be right there. But, but I'm not going to like force my fellowship on you. I'll always be available. But if you don't want a fellowship with me, you don't want to stay connected to the vine as a branch, 
That's your choice. But God wants to see that we are willing to make the effort towards Him, to pursue Him, which is why James says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Jesus is basically saying the same thing. You remain in me, I'll remain in you. You see, I'm going to look, Jesus says, for your willingness to fellowship with me and stay connected. And if you want to spend time with me, I'm right there. Because what it's really all about in this passage, again, isn't about being fruitful. That will come automatically. The more important thing that Jesus wants his followers to focus on is staying connected to him. And that's, again, very important, especially to these men who thought somehow they were going to be disconnected to Jesus through him going back to the Father and being in heaven. And Jesus says, oh, not at all. We're going to stay connected. You just remain, abide, stay in fellowship. So, see, the disciples, the principle that Jesus is trying to share with them, he was trying to teach them, look, you... You can stay connected to me in a different way. Yeah, you've been able to walk with me, talk with me, spend time with me while I've been here on earth, but there's another way now that you've got to learn to stay connected with me. And Jesus now is opening up a whole new, you know, way of thinking and mindset and outlook for these disciples, and he wants us obviously to adopt the same thing as well. So remain in me, verse 4, and I will remain in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, alone, in isolation, unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Now notice here clearly what Jesus is saying. We cannot be fruitful without being in fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. It is impossible for a branch to bear fruit if it doesn't stay connected to the vine. Because the vine is the source of the nourishment and the sustenance and all of that that the branch needs in order to bear fruit. If the branch gets disconnected from the vine, no spiritual fruit will be seen. And here, Jesus isn't talking about relationship here, folks. He's talking about fellowship. He's saying, you've got to stay in unbroken fellowship with me. Or else, you're not going to be fruitful. And Jesus says, God's design for His people is that we be fruitful. And again, He doesn't define what fruitfulness is because to God, fruitfulness is just being in fellowship with Jesus. And when you and I are in fellowship with Jesus and we are walking with Him every day, we'll be fruitful. We don't, again, have to worry about, well, am I fruitful or not? Is is this fruit? Is that fruit? You and I, again, that's where, when I came to this understanding and this realization years ago, it was like, it was like a relaxing thing for me. It's like, wow. I don't have to worry about, oh, am I being fruitful? And is that fruitful? No, I don't, I, I don't even have to think about that. All I have to think about and focus on as a Christian is staying connected to Jesus in fellowship with Him. And however then that looks, God will make sure that I'm bearing fruit. Simply because I'm staying connected to the vine and I'm remaining in Him. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. So then He says, I am the vine, verse 5. You are the branches, the shoots, the limbs. 
The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. The word much means not only plenty of fruit, it means often. There again, Jesus isn't specifically defining what the fruit is, but simply saying, you're going to be a fruitful tree. You're not going to only bear a lot of fruit. You're going to bear it often. Boom, boom, boom. It's not going to be this, well, every year I think I, I think I sprout an orange or something, you know. It's going to be a lot more than that. And let me just take a second and go back to this passage because you're going you're to recognize this passage. But it, it goes along the same lines. It's Psalm 1. You know the psalm. Listen to these couple of verses. How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sits in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on his commands day and night. He will be like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields its fruit at the proper time. Its leaves never fall off. He succeeds in everything he attempts. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. It's a picture of this tree that is so situated by the stream and getting the nourishment and the sustenance and, and in a sense, the, the food that it needs, the nutrients that it needs to always be fruitful. And Jesus is saying the same thing here. He's saying, you just stay in fellowship with me. Now, I will say this. Here, here's what you and I do have to consider. We may not have to spend time considering what the fruit is because that's not the focus. But I would like you to take from this passage of Scripture tonight and from this teaching some time to consider how do I stay in fellowship with Jesus Christ, the vine? That is something you and I need to figure out. How do you and I stay in fellowship? How do we remain in Him? How do we abide in Him? How do we stay close to Him? How do we stay connected to Him? Because if we don't figure that out in our lives, then obviously we're not going to be fruitful. We've got to learn how to do this thing called relationships. <laughs> and we really got to learn how to do this thing called relationship with God. And develop intimacy and fellowship with God. Here's the problem. Let me stop here for a second. I got time. In the world in which we live, there are many people, and, and including many Christians, that have a real hard time with intimacy. Just relating to each other. And, and why this is important here is because if I can't relate to other human beings and build deep and abiding relationships and, and become intimate with some people in my life, I'm going to have a really hard time doing that with God. I think that's even some, sometimes why some really struggle with the whole concept of worship. Because one of the things that worship does is draw us into God. And, and if I have a hard time with that, you know, I don't even get close to people, getting close to God, that, that's foreign too, then that's why I think worship is somewhat uncomfortable, and they don't know how to navigate that. 
prayer, same thing. Why do we struggle with prayer? Because prayer is where it's just me and God alone and, and, oh my goodness, what do I say? And I don't know how to do this. And there's that struggle. And yet really what God teaches us is your whole life is dependent on learning how to relate to me and fellowship with me and be intimate with me and, and do this as a relationship. And, and can I say too, that's why human beings, even Christians, go, will go back to following a set of rules and regulations in their life, even as Christians, rather than continuing on the pathway of a relationship. Why is that? Because as challenging as maintaining a relationship and building relationship and building fellowship and intimacy with God or anybody else is challenging. It's like the easy way to just set up rules and regulations because then I don't, I, don't, I don't have to go down that road. And I, and I can even make up what rules and regulations I want to I wanna do. We see that in the Bible. The Galatians. Paul spends a whole letter to the churches at Galatia because at one time they had an intimate, close fellowship with Christ and they were following him. And then Paul comes along and says, you went back to rules and regulations? After being so close? Yeah, it happens sometimes. Because Christians get tired and and just don't know how to navigate the whole intimate fellowship closeness. They can't do that with each other. They can't do that with God. And so, okay, I'll just go back to the set of rules. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. The importance of learning how to do that and growing into that. And that's all part of our spiritual growth and our maturity and and being a disciple. It will all come in time. We just got to stay on the road and stay with it, just like we do in our earthly relationships. And not give up. So he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. Jesus isn't saying, oh, you you can't do anything without me. He's saying in the context here, you won't be able to bear spiritual fruit apart from me. You can't do it without me, detached from me, separated from me. That's what the word apart means. You've got to stay connected to me. You've got to stay in fellowship with me. But when you do, you'll be fruitful. If you don't, you won't be fruitful. And then Jesus says this. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a branch and dries up. I don't think Jesus here is talking about people that don't know him. I think he's talking about Christians. And Jesus doesn't teach here that God throws unfruitful believers away. The words here mean to be cast down and away. In other words, just like, just like we've seen in our own Christian lives. If someone is walking with Christ and staying close to Christ and staying connected with Christ, God's going to call upon them and use them and put them on display and put their lives on display and allow them to have you know, ministry and service and stuff. But if, if, if people have walked away from Christ, 
then their ministry, their service, their influence, and all of that will continue to be diminished, 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 diminished. Because Jesus is not going to put someone out there to sort of be, you know, someone of influence and import in his kingdom who's not connected to him. So, in a sense, what what God does is he puts those Christians on a shelf. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use them. But until they're willing to stay connected to Jesus and walk in fellowship with him, there's very little God can do with them because they're not walking with Jesus. They don't have the heart of Jesus. They're focused on other things. They've attached themselves to other people and other things, and therefore they're not with the true vine. And then they can't truly then accurately reflect who Jesus is to other people. That doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't want to use every Christian. But as Paul says to Timothy, we've got to make sure that we are fit for the master's use. And I love this where Jesus says, oh, and by the way, when you don't stay in fellowship with me after a time, you will dry up. We all know what that feels like. There's been times in our life, if we've been a Christian, where we feel spiritually dried up. In fact, this word comes from the idea to be parched. It sort of reminds us, like, oh, yeah, that's why the oasis. You know, we want to be a place in the desert where people who are parched and who are spiritually dry can come and be refreshed and nourished and, and find, you know, that living water to sustain them and draw them to God. That, that's what Jesus is saying here. He doesn't want His followers to wither and waste away because they're so spiritually dry. But folks, if you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we don't stay connected to the vine as the branch, then eventually that branch will dry up and wither because it doesn't have anything flowing to it out of the vine. The only source. And so Jesus here is giving a very powerful illustration to his followers. And then he says, such branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and are burned. Again, Jesus isn't talking here about, oh, they're going to end up in hell. Jesus is simply saying their lives will be consumed. Because everything that they are pursuing now in their life will be burned up at the judgment at the last day. And that it goes exactly along the lines with what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. When he says, our lives as Christians will be you know, tested by fire. And that which passed the fire and passed the test will go on into eternity. But, but Paul says, there will be many Christians whose lives will be totally consumed because they haven't, you know, lived with the values of Christ. And therefore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, they will be saved, but as by fire. They will have nothing to show for it. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. A very sobering and sad picture of a follower of Jesus Christ. And as I even taught Sunday, that's why now counts forever. Because those Christians who have their lives consumed because they pursued worldly pursuits rather than Christ in their life, that's going to affect them for all of eternity. The role, the responsibility, the things that God will give them 
All of that, all, all that will be reflected in the choices they made down here with what God gives them to deal with and, and, and to serve Him and, and all of that in eternity. And so it's very important. So Jesus says this, verse 7. We'll wrap this up with these last two verses. 7 and 8. If you remain in me, And it means to be settled in Jesus. Wow, that's, a, that's an important thing. And you even think about, you mean we as Christians have to be reminded to be settled in Jesus? Absolutely. Because again, we can be so restless in our lives that even though we have Jesus, we're not resting in Him. We're not settled in Him. We're living our lives as if there's something lacking and something deficient, even though we have Jesus. And Jesus saying, remaining in him is to just to be settled in him and seeing that he is the all-sufficient Savior. Everything we'll ever need will come through him. He's the true vine. I don't need to look outside of Jesus for anything. But then Jesus says this, if you remain in me and my words are permanently settled in place in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. I'll make it happen. It's the same principle that Jesus shared last week where it's, it's like, we'll know what God's heart is because His Word has settled into our lives. We have settled into Jesus and we're walking so closely to Jesus and we're staying so connected to Him that our thoughts become the thoughts of God. That our desires are what God's desires are. And that is reflected in our prayer life so that the things that we pray for and the things that we pray about are the things that are truly priority to the heart of God. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why it's important to stay connected. And then Jesus says this, My Father is honored, magnified by this, that you bear much fruit. And show that you are my disciples. What a great teaching here from Jesus. He says, my Father will be magnified when you bear much fruit. And when you begin to show that you're my disciples, not just talk about it, yeah, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm faithful. He said, no, no, it's got to be shown. It's got to be evident, visible, clear to those around us. And the word show also means to emerge, to come into being, to become. All of these imply growth, which is exactly what discipleship is all about. No human being and no Christian is born a disciple. Disciples are made through training and practice. You see, that's why Jesus could look at Simon and say, you're Simon, but you're going to become Peter, the rock. You're not there, 
But one day you will emerge, you will come into being, you will become that through growth. Jesus, in essence, says that to every one of his followers. He says, Jeff, this is what you are now. This is what you could become. Show yourself to be my disciple. And let's remember something. The word disciple literally means learner, but it also means one who progresses through practice. Are we progressing in our Christian life through practice? That's how we show that we are desired. That's how we become who God envisioned us to be. That's how we begin to reach our potential in Jesus Christ. So again, I want to remind you, as I've been reminding people through my blog every day on digging into discipleship, it's not what we are that's important. It's what we are becoming that's important. And what it reminds us of is God has this plan and has put all this potential within us as his children. And like anyone who would care or love about somebody else, God wants to see that potential begin to be realized in our lives. He's rooting us on, man. He, he's up there like, go, man. Keep on, keep on going. Look at what I can do through you if you just continue to walk with me and stay connected to me. And Jesus not only did that for his disciples here, but I think he wants to do that for every one of us. He's coming along tonight and basically saying, look, I'm the true vine. Remain in me and you'll bear fruit. And continue to remain in me and abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Be settled in me and let my words be permanently settled in place in your life so that my Father can be honored and magnified and you'll bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. What a great teaching here by Jesus as he's on the way to being arrested and within 24 hours will hang on a cross. And yet he's all about making sure that his disciples stay connected to him. That's the most important thing to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want any of us to take a step in life, to walk through a day in life without being connected as the branches to the vine. Because Jesus understands everything you need, I'm the source. You can find it in me. You never have to look outside the true vine. I can supply you and furnish you with everything. Just stay connected and you'll be fruitful. I hope that passage has been as encouraging to you as it has been to me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being the overseer of the vineyard who works with us tirelessly, who bends over backwards is so loving and patient and forbearing to do everything you can in our lives, God, to bring about fruit. You don't want to see us parched, dried up, 
and withered. You want to see us be like that tree described in the, in the book of Psalms that's situated by those waters and is fruitful and strong and is providing shade. And God, that's what you want our lives to be. And yet Jesus here is very clearly reminding us that the only way we'll be that strong, the only way we'll be that fruitful is to stay connected and stay in fellowship with Him. So God, there's a lot that we could leave with from this passage to, to wrap our minds around and focus on, but more than anything else, God, help us to focus on the main thing from this passage. And the main thing that Jesus is teaching here is to remain in Him, to abide in Him, to continue with Him, to stay with Him. So God, help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here. We'll see you next week.